Not all of us, I venture, have been mugged and left for dead. But we can all relate to the story of the Good Samaritan at some level. I think we all know something of what it's like to be beaten up and pitched to the side of the road. My dad told me about the time. He was told, Rex, we'd love to promote you, but you belong to the wrong political party. I remember being newly married, trying to get a loan to finish seminary. Sorry, Mrs. Kidd and I were told, but you can't get credit because you don't have a credit history. We're going like, what's wrong with this picture? How am I gonna get, well, you know where I'm going. All right. I happened to be just back from teaching doctoral students in a worship leadership program. Not a few of my students over the years have been in the program because they're aging out of being cool enough and hip enough to be up in front of churches where the vibe of worship is more important than the depth of worship. And I'm sorry, isn't that the way age feels? Like, it feels like its own mugging and being tossed to the side of the road. At one point in your life, you're too young to have anything to offer, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're too old to have anything to offer. I mean, really, come on. But there are so many ways, so many ways that we can be made to feel like we're just so much waste material. Forsaken, desolate, taken for granted, Wounded, tossed aside and forgotten, ignored and without a voice, like nobody gets me. Which brings us to the parable of the Good Samaritan. I have two points. One, receive God's Good Samaritan, and two, become God's Good Samaritan. First, receive God's Good Samaritan. It's impossible to say enough about the significance of this parable. This parable propels us to love our neighbor, regardless of who they are or where they come from. The astute reader realizes, however, that the parable works its magic, not so much by guilting us, but by inviting us to reflect on ourselves as having been sought out and found by the divine Good Samaritan. The parable gets its full force when we see ourselves as half dead on the side of the road. When our Good Samaritan is moved with pity and comes to us, sees us mugged by life, tossed aside as so much waste material, friendless of the wrong party, unable to qualify for credit, not cool enough or hip enough, or maybe on the wrong end of that, I don't love you anymore, and I think God, and I'm not happy, and I think God wants me to be happy, so see ya. Or you're doing great at your you're doing great at your job, but you got a new boss and they've got a nephew or a niece they gotta find room for and you're gone. When we're in that place, God's good Samaritan comes to us. 
He bandages us. He pours oil and wine on us. Who can't help but think of the oil of baptism and the wine of the Eucharist? He brings us to a place of healing. And who can't think of the church as, well, at least what we're supposed to be and what we do strive to be here, a place of healing, and makes sure that any price necessary for the healing gets paid. And who can't, who can't not think of the cross? A hymn by Edmund Clowney memorably captures the logic of this portion of the parable of parables. You came to us, dear Jesus, in our dying. As broken, bleeding, we could make no sign. Compassion, Lord, brought you to where we were lying to lift us up and pour on oil and wine. You came to us, dear Jesus, in our dying. Your wounds poured forth, poured love as blood upon the tree. Compassion, Lord, from Calvary is crying, bind up their wounds as you would do for me. We have to see ourselves invited in the first place to read ourselves into this story as the one who's been cast aside so that we know what it is to have the compassion of God reach down and touch us. Now, I don't know how you find yourself able to read yourself into the story, but I can tell you how I do and commend it to you. Do you know what a, a, a Lectio Divina is? Electio Divina is when you take a, take a portion, a, a reading, and you go word by word, and you break it down, and you just spend time. God so loved the world that he gave. And you just, God, who is this God? So, well, he, he, whatever he does, he does like emphatically loved. What does it mean for him to love? The world. And what is it about the world and how am I part of the world? That he gave. That he gave. That's a Lectio Divina. You take your time going through it and you chew on every word. Well, there's such a thing as a Visio Divina as well. And that's where you take a picture or an image or a statue and you sit before it or stand before it for a long time and you let it pour over you and let, let it tell you its story. Every time I read the Good Samaritan, I have to do a Visio Divina of three paintings by Vincent van Gogh. And I've mentioned these paintings before. I can't not mention them because we're at this passage and they make this passage come alive to me. I would commend to you a Visio Divina of three paintings by Vincent van Gogh. Now I have them in this wonderful book by Kathleen Powers Erickson called At Eternity's Gate. But you can go, well, I don't know, Pull the art book off of your own library shelf because, right, you've got a collection of art books, right? And surely you've got Van Gogh. Or if not, just go to images.google.com or whatever your favorite art source is and go for Vincent Van Gogh's The Pieta. The Pieta. This is a painting that he did in the next to the last year of his life after Delacroix, and what, he, what Van Gogh does is he 
basically copies and gives his own interpretation of a famous painting by one of his artistic heroes, Delacroix, the Pieta, which is Mary welcoming or holding Jesus in her arms as he comes down off the cross. And what's striking, oh, I just could just look at this all day. What is striking about this painting by Van Gogh of Mary grieving over her son who's just been taken down from the cross is that Van Gogh paints Jesus's emaciated face as his own with ginger beard and sunken features. Van Gogh's painting of Jesus is a visual prayer. Lord Jesus, take my death into your own. Don't let me die alone. Don't let me be a reject without knowing that you were man of sorrows, acquainted with griefs, rejected and cast off. The second painting that I would invite you to, to track down and, and do a Visio Divina uh, with is Van Gogh's The Raising of Lazarus. This is one that he does the next year, his last year of life, where he copies a painting by Rembrandt. And it's a painting of Lazarus just coming back from the dead with Mary and Martha going like, wow, and the sun is shining outside the tomb as Lazarus is getting ready to rise back up into life. And in this painting, the face of Lazarus is, once again, Van Gogh's ginger beard and sunken features just waking from the dead. Another visual prayer, Lord Jesus, make your rising my rising. Second point, don't just receive God's good Samaritan. Let his death be your death, his rising, your rising. But two, become God's good Samaritan. So from one angle of vision, the parable of the good Samaritan points to Jesus who rescues us when we were cast aside and left for dead on the side of the road. But of course, the real thrust of Jesus's parable is to encourage us to neighborliness. That is to be like the good Samaritan ourselves not like the uncaring people who walk past the cast-off man on the side of the road. Love calls us like the Good Samaritan to refuse to be a party to societal attitudes. Our Samaritan, the Samaritan in the story, considered less than by the Jews of his world, ignored the cultural hostilities of his day. And instead, he went out of his way to extend help and compassion to someone he chose to see not as a Jew, not as the other, but as a human being in need. Martin Luther King describes this heart attitude as the strength to love, answering cruelty with kindness, rejection with acceptance. The parable of the Good Samaritan calls upon us to be strong, bold, and extroverted in our love. Okay, now, the best way I know 
to get inside the point of becoming the Good Samaritan is through another exercise in Visio Divina in Van Gogh. This time in Van Gogh's The Good Samaritan. Again, after one of his painting heroes, Delacroix. In this, oh, most, most vividly colored uh, paintings. Van Gogh portrays a ginger-bearded, virile, strong, good Samaritan lifting the battered roadside victim onto his donkey. Van Gogh dares to imagine himself as the Samaritan. He's at a very low point in his life, bouncing from one kind of failure to another, from asylums to, well, he saw himself as a failure in all kinds of relationships in, in his family. He had failed as a missionary. He had failed in his attempt to rehabilitate a prostitute. He had failed in his attempt to create an artist colony around Gauguin. He had failed to sell his art of the, oh, I don't know how many hundreds of paintings he made. Do you know how many he sold in his life? Van Gogh sold one. And that, the story goes, was sold as a favor to a friend. His painting of the strong, the strong, the strong Vincent as Good Samaritan is his prayer, Lord Jesus in you, let me be this man. Lord, don't let me be defined by my failures. In my own eyes or in the eyes of others, give me grace and strength to be this guy. Give me the strength to love. If you're, if you're familiar with the TV series Grey's Anatomy, you may recall the character Amelia Shepard, who is an amazing brain surgeon, but who has some serious self-understanding issues. When she's getting ready to perform a major surgery, she performs a superhero pose to build confidence before taking on the surgery. And she'll stand there for five minutes just going, I am a superhero, I'm going to do this. It's a high-powered pose consisting of standing tall, feet apart, chin up, hands on hips, elbows bent. Now, I remembered that pose from George Reeves' Superman interpretation in the 1950s show. You remember that? And it so happens that Wonder Woman takes the same pose. Just Google either one of them and you'll, you'll find it. I think that there is a Christian superhero pose too, and it looks just a little different. And it's like this. I encourage you, consider taking that pose when you feel like I'm, I'm trash, tossed to the side of the road. Consider that the Lord Jesus comes and takes on that countenance, buries it, and raises you up to be this.
so that you can extend His love to others. With this posture, I can say, in Christ, I am not waste material, but I am an apple in God's eye. In this posture, I can say that in Christ, I am not forsaken, not desolate, but befriended. In this posture, I can say, in Christ, I am not taken for granted, but cherished. In this posture, I can say, in Christ, I am not wounded, but whole. In this posture, I can say, I am not tossed aside and forgotten, but my name is written on his hands. In this posture, I can say, I am not ignored and robbed of a voice because my God bends to me and hears my cry. In this posture, I can say, in Christ, it's not like nobody gets me because God says, I get you and I got you. Francis of Assisi, the great medieval saint, was known for three powerful acts. He stripped himself naked to renounce his wealth and marched boldly through the streets of Assisi. He knelt down to kiss the leper. He had, he, he had his horrible revulsion at lepers and was just afraid of getting, getting the disease himself. But he felt the Lord compel him to get down off his horse go over to a leper and kiss him on the lips, expressing his solidarity with the outcast, the stranger, and the polluted. And the third thing Assisi was known for was building God's church, a little church, small c, outside his hometown, and then big capital C, God's church, universal. And one of his great gifts to us is a prayer that we might emulate him as he emulates Christ. And may his prayer also help us to emulate Van Gogh as we, like him, seek to become the Good Samaritan. So I'd invite you to participate in uh, my own adaptation of an exercise that Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot liked to do with uh, groups that she spoke to. I'd like to read Francis's prayer over you pray it over you, and invite you to receive it and uh, say it back either in your heart or out loud as you can. I'll do it phrase by phrase, giving you a chance to, to take it in. And what I'd like you to do is to stand with me and adopt the pose, the Christian superhero pose. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. 
Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And may our Heavenly Father give you and me, each of us, grace to know we are personally loved, uniquely crafted to bear his image. May the Lord Jesus hold us close to the Father's heart in his prayers of intercession for us. May the spirit of strength and power embolden us to be neighbor to those around us. Amen and amen. And let us roll on into the Nicene Creed. Here is where we get the source of the power to love and to serve. Page 358 of the Book of Common Prayer, if you need it. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life for the world to come. Amen.